Welcome to the Supreme Resort Land v. World, a podcast about Disneyland and Walt Disney World and which resort is the Supreme Resort. We will argue the merits of every facet of each resort until we decide which is better. Each episode, we will discuss and compare a ride, show, attraction, hotel, or experience and its counterpart from each coast and decide a winner for each episode. And, of course, as with any legitimate trial, we will not allow evidence or witnesses. (laughs) My name is Jimmy. (laughs) I am your host for this journey, and with me to debate the case is Jeremy from Spectro Radio. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, how are you guys doing? Wonderful. Jeremy's about to go to... uh, Oh, wait. Uh, and uh, also from Dan Hates the Beatles, Dan. Poof, I'm here now. Jeremy's going to Hawaii. I am. He's going I'm to going Alani. to Al- Alani. I'm so excited. This, this yeah, isn't your first cool. time, is it? It is. Oh. I've never been to wow. Alani. I've, nev- I've never been to Hawaii either. Like, I've never been that far west. Wow. That's very I'm cool. So excited. Hawaii is my favorite state. I've been to all the main islands. My favorite is Maui. And, and I think it's because when you fly across the ocean and you land in this place like Waikiki Beach, it's like Detroit with palm trees and you just <laughs> – it's an ocean. You may as well be in Miami. Um, but Maui, when you, you're there, you see other islands and somehow that makes you realize you're on an island. So anyway, I think it's gotcha. Cool. cool. Send us your feedback. <laughs> All right. So you're excited. You're going to Hawaii. And that's to celebrate a uh, birthday, right? Yes. And as a result of you being born, you are not going to be able to join us for our next recording. So we are bringing on Eric from Concierge. He will be our guest to judge. We like Eric. I've had many. We do. I've had uh, drinks with Eric. I think I'm having drinks with Eric next month because I think he's running the Princess Half. Nice. And uh, I'm obviously running the Princess Half. So uh, that'll be. Uh, I-, I hope to share another. Smoking roses with him at the Dolphin. Smoking roses? It's a smoked bourbon drink. Ah. Uh, and Jimmy, I, I'm yeah. almost certain you and I had drinks with Eric at the Ears Up 100th episode. Did we? I know we had drinks with Jeremy. Yes, I remember that. And, well, you tend to not remember when we that's drank true. together. So that's, that's true. Um, I don't know why. I'll just, yes, it happened. You were there. He was there. And well, hey, Eric, I can't wait to see you again. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, stay tuned for that. And that episode, we will determine what that subject is later. <laughs> and uh, for now, guys, listen, I had a I had a crazy week last week. And one of the things I did, I have a dear friend who is a school counselor, and she asked me to come in and do career day. Now, what I do has nothing to do with the subject she wanted me to do a career day on. She wanted me to do a career day on uh, what is it? It's hospitality and what's the other word? Hospitality and leisure or something like that. So she's like, well, talk about your podcast as a job and, <laughs> and how that ties in transfer or to concierge, whatever. So uh, what is she trying to teach kids how not to make money when they grow up? <laughs> I can go talk to them about improv sometimes sure, if we're doing yeah. that. Hospitality and leisure. So, and she also wanted me to talk about energy. My job has nothing to do with either, but I, I somehow miraculously tied it in. And so, our uh, our subscriber download base in the third grade, Gwinnett County, Georgia, is going to spike, baby. <laughs> They're yeah, going to love they this episode. Sure. That's right. Can you see, based on the IP address, or if you can see the IP address, can you see the location? Where someone is downloading from? I can't, and I I don't. I'm sure there's a way, but I I all I see is just a bunch of numbers and number of downloads and how long people listen or you know there's not two different numbers and anyway. Long story short, people love our show. Got it. Except when it, yeah anyway. All right, so uh, a favorite segment. <laughs> what is Dan watching on Disney Plus? Ooh yes. Uh, well, I watched something called. Uh, Sammy, the far out seal. The single, the single syllable animal names. I'm hooked. I think I, I'm just drawn to this. Um, this movie is insane. Uh, mm-hmm. it it is about. Let me see. Do I have more notes than this? I was like in a time warp with this thing. So two brothers uh, find a seal. He's injured and he's on the uh, on the beach. So they figure, 
what we're going to do is we're going to heal him with a first aid kit and we're going to feed him canned salmon. And mm-hmm. one of the first things that they need to do is get him away from the water because apparently that's bad for him. Anyway, turns out this movie was originally released in two parts and the version on Disney Plus is about 45 minutes. It's insane. I don't think mm-hmm. time actually exists in this movie. Um, the older brother is acting so hard. It's like watching a 50-year-old in a 10-year-old's body. Um, I give it, let's say, two and a half frozen heads out of five. It's um, <laughs> The frozen head rating system. I forgot we implemented that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did, and it stayed. Um, yeah, Sammy hides in a trailer to get to Gatesville with them. There's, it's, there's so many impossibilities in this movie. I don't know if I love it or if it's a nightmare. Uh, probably both. Knowing sounds like this segment. I don't know if I love it or if it's a nightmare. Exactly. <laughs> That's. A, I feel the exact same <laughs> Is that what way you're going for this very segment. Um. Probably. That's kind of my aesthetic, if we're being really honest. <laughs> I mean, we can cut this any time. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll leave that up to Jer- or J- Jason. So uh, we, got some, we got some fun comments on uh, the Supreme Resort Facebook group. Uh, our friend of the show, Winslow Condon, says, does Jeremy enjoy recording the podcast or is it more of a hostage-type situation? <laughs> and I said, that's why we do not record video. He what? Uh, he said... Do I enjoy being on the podcast or is it, or is it more of a hostage situation? type situation? <laughs> and then uh, I said, uh, that's why we don't record video on account of the cuffs and restraints tied to his chair. <laughs> and he said, that would explain the Mandal- Mandalorian minute <laughs> starting to make sense. Coded distress messages. It's funny. Okay. Uh, this episode is sponsored by www.etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash coveyers. Where you can get coveyers and cool things, coveyers, t-shirts that are on constant rotation. Thank you to Mr. Jeremy for making the suggestion to make it a wanted commodity. Also, concierge. We're going to get a little more detail from Eric next time when we have him on the show as our guest. And he'll tell you a lot more about it. But it is a free, zero-cost-to-you Disney vacation planning service where they will do it all. You call them, tell them what you want, and they will book your entire experience for you, and it won't cost you an extra cent. So visit concierge.com. Concierge, pardon me. That's C-O-N-C-I-E-A-R-S.com. The Supreme Resort is also brought to you by our newest sponsor, Harness. Harness is a unique, comforting harness specifically designed for adults to relieve their experience of visiting the parks, relive their experience of visiting the parks as a young child and wearing a leash or a harness. Now, Dan, you have a, you have a harness, don't you? I do. I do have a harness. They uh, actually sent me one. And I originally thought, you know, I'd just wear this, like it said, for, you know, nostalgia reasons. And um, actually, it doesn't say that yet. Um, but it does say that eventually in the, in the copy. Um uh-huh. You know, and I, you know, I'm a hipster, so I thought, you know, I'll, I'll just, I'll just wear this. It's fun, it's funny. But I actually wore it to a park, and I found that in wearing it, it uh, stopped me for. Well, like, first of all, it gave me comfort. You know, like I used to get really intimidated on the uh, the line for Space Mountain. Like I'd kind of shake and mm-hmm. stuff. But the uh, yeah, who doesn't? I know, right? But the uh, soothing, uh, warm comfort. The the I'm sorry, the warm, gentle hug of safety that I felt with harness sure. really um, it calmed me. It's almost like a. I don't know. It's it's really interesting, you know. And every once in a while, if I felt myself, you know, wanting to run out into a parade route to, if I saw like a favorite character or something, like I used right, to always yeah. do. If mm-hmm. I just tug on that leash and you know, uh, tighten the tighten the restraints a little bit, I just I don't feel that anymore, and it's it's really nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember that time we visited the parks and uh, the balloon vendor was walking down the street. Oh and yeah, you just took right off. Right. Th- I went, thankfully. Well, you know me, I get I had, dazzled by balloons. Yeah, right. Shiny colors. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeremy, do you have a harness? Uh, no, I don't have a harness. <laughs> no, you haven't. No. You haven't tried yours on yet. All right. So, harness was engineered as a nostalgia hack for millennials who fondly remember the warm, gentle hug of safety that Dan mentioned, uh, and that their parents would make them wear to the parks for their own safety. 
The developers of Harness soon found that wearing the device and holding the patent-pending nylon and acrylic leash, or having someone close to them hold it, gave them an added sense of security and safety during various stressful theme park situations. So, Dan, it sounds like... That's exactly what it's doing for you, right? right? Well, and I remember, like, when we went to the park uh, recently, you know, um, I remember the fireworks used to just really scare you. But I remember, like... Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Right. But when I saw that the fireworks were starting, I just held on to your harness leash a little bit. And you really enjoyed... You enjoyed the the fireworks for, I think, the first time I've ever seen you enjoy them. Yeah, and I could... I could actually take a breath and enjoy the spectacle. So thank you, Harness, for that. Uh, Good news. Listeners to the Supreme Resort can get their very own Harness and receive $10 off by going to harnessleash.go.com and entering the code PERRY. Right. And it says testimonials, but I think we've already covered that pretty well. I think we've covered it. So go to harness.leash.go.com, offer code Perry, and receive your very own harness so you can experience the warm, gentle hug for yourself and receive $10 off. Thank you, Harness. Thank you, Harness. It seems like we get a new sponsor every episode. It's weird. I mean, we concierge, yeah, concierge and, uh, and coveyors are consistent, but I, I guess we're just not getting them the business that they want. I mean, give us a shot, right? I mean, <laughs> give us a couple episodes. Anyway. All right, past show corrections. Are you ready for this? Always. Always. So there's, it's very simple, only two. And they are, when I was talking about cast members and talent pool for Disneyland and Disney World, I said that they were looking for 120,000 jobs at Disney World. They only have 70,000 cast members on a regular basis. And I said there were 40,000 cast members at Disneyland. I think there are 23,000. That was a recent search today. Didn't spend a lot of time with it because nobody cares. <laughs> okay, today's episode, The Case of the Usurping Poos, Fantasy v. Critter. This episode is about Winnie the Pooh, the many, many adventures of Winnie the Pooh in Critter Country and in Fantasyland. And I will be arguing for the Fantasyland version that came in 1999, and Dan will be arguing for the Critter Country version from... Some years later, that I'm sure he'll tell you. All right, so sounds. If Disneyland gets a point, you will hear. I played this it sound. too soon. Hold on, let me play it again. Let me play it that's again. That's all right. Come on, it's really good. You'll hear this sound. Oh, that's nice. That's uh, it's the host, right, Henry? Yes. All right, and then if Walt Disney World gets a point, you will hear this sound. Let's go for a jolly ride. Let's do it. Let's go for a jolly ride. I love it. Okay. You ready for this? I'm ready. I'm I'm ready because this isn't a ride that I go on frequently at either park. Mm-hmm. And I ha- but I have been on both. Mm-hmm. And how do you feel about the ride in general? I have no affinity. I have no connection to this. I have no connection to it on either coast. I think that is probably good because yeah. I'm – if I'm going to judge tonight, I literally have no it, – it, it's like I've never felt such a lack of feeling about something before in my entire life. Except Star Wars. I think I feel more about that. <laughs> I do. I will say this. I hate the heffalub section, and I, but that's on both coasts. I don't mm. like it. It annoys me. That's creepy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little psychedelic. How about you, Dan? How yeah. do you feel about Winnie the Pooh? I don't know. I remember um, when they announced that they were making Winnie the Pooh in Disneyland and they were replacing Critter uh, Country Bears. Uh, Country Bear Jamboree, thank you. Um, my feeling was we better get the Tokyo version. Oh, totally. And we did not. No, we did not. You should look up a YouTube video on the Tokyo version. I'm going to touch on it in a little bit, but yeah, it's, uh, it's an e ticket attraction in Tokyo. It looks like an e-ticket in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the many adventures of the Winnie the Pooh, because technically Disney World went first, I'm going to get started. So the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh is a dark ride. It's based on the film of the same name. It's based on the Winnie the Pooh books by A.A. Milne. He began writing these stories in 1926, and Walt Disney's daughters loved the story so much that he bought the rights in 1961. So technically, Winnie the Pooh has been a Disney character since 1961. The first iteration of the character was introduced shortly thereafter in the parks. Five years later, Disney began producing Winnie the Pooh shorts. 
This was the f- the first Winnie the Pooh was Winnie the Pooh and the Honey Tree, followed by Winnie the Pooh and the Blustery Day, which actually won an Oscar for Best Animated Short. And then finally came Winnie the Pooh and Tigger 2. Later, Disney combined these three short films to make a feature film, The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, of which this ride is based. The attraction exists in slightly different forms at the Magic Kingdom at Disney World, Disneyland, Hong Kong Disneyland, and Shanghai Disneyland Park. Pooh's Honey Hunt, which we were just talking about, located in Tokyo Disneyland, is an enhanced e-ticket class attraction featuring full audio animatronics and a trackless ride system. After the rise in popularity of the Walt Disney's adaptation of Winnie the Pooh, Disney Imagineers made plans in the late 1970s for a Winnie the Pooh attraction at Disneyland's soon-to-be-renovated Fantasyland. However, in 1983, when the renovated Fantasyland opened, a Winnie the Pooh attraction was notably absent. Instead, we got Pinocchio's Daring Journey. Then later, following the success of the 1988 film Who Framed Roger Rabbit, plans were made for a new section of the park located behind Fantasyland called Mickey's Toontown. This section of the park would recreate the Toontown that was seen in the film. One of the rides that would have gone on the east side of this land was a Winnie the Pooh dark ride in which guests would ride a spinnable honeypot, sound familiar, much like Mad Hatter teacup ride in Fantasyland, though that was... um. That was conceptualized as the best scenes from the Winnie the Pooh featurettes. The ride fell through before it could be made, though, and the space was used, obviously, to make Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin. So we got a cartoon started spinning ride, but it was not Winnie the Pooh. Strike two. I don't know that it would would fit in Toontown, because he's not really a toony. Yeah, I agree. Really. I mean, maybe Tigger, but... I mean, the shoehorning in. People like Winnie the Pooh. He's a, a huge character. Everybody loves him. But absolutely, and it is a cartoon, so you know he right. fits on that. Yeah, but I mean, Toontown is in Roger Rabbit, and that's where we got the original concept. So it makes the most sense. I feel like Toontown is more like zany tunes, and Winnie the Pooh is a, mm-hmm. is a slightly more serious side. Yeah, when you got Eeyore's like a depressed alcoholic or something. and I just feel like they, they really dropped the ball on a lot of things in Toontown. It makes me very sad. Yeah, it's not all like uh, hijinks and, you know, slapstick kind of tunes. The, yeah, the, my first experience in uh, Toontown was just remarkable. I think it was actually Dan introduced me to it. And, it, you know, you walk around and there's so much stuff to do. There's one of the first, like, interactive lands. You know, you walk around, you pull this door and fireworks go off or you stand on a manhole cover and people yell at you and open a mailbox. That kind of, that was a really uh, one of my first experiences with something interactive like that. And they had great hot dogs. Yeah, and it was it, – it, it, so much of it's really sold on what the Toontown in Who Framed Roger right. Rabbit promised. But then – at some point, you could just tell the Imagineers or whoever. They're just like, eh, it's just let's just do this. Yeah, and even the water fountains like lit up. Remember that? Yeah, right. And yeah, and they kind of just slowly took away those features. Yeah, we would go on a Sunday afternoon, and um, we were the only ones in the land. And those days are gone. Also, the only ones wearing suits. That's true, <laughs> and uh, harnesses. Okay. <laughs> so seven years later, nineteen ninety nine. Uh, Magic Kingdom Park. Seven years later, during a period when the character was undergoing a resurgence in popularity, plans for the Winnie the Pooh attraction were approved at a different park. That's Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom. Planners instead decided to utilize an existing structure, that of Fantasyland attraction Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Can we get a mournful song for (laughs) Mr. Toad going away? (laughs) Uh, rest in I'm peace. I'm curious, Toadie. Jeremy. How did you feel about the when you heard that Mr. Toad was being replaced? What were, did you have any feeling about Wait, that? What year was this? Because I don't register this as his, like. Yeah, it used to be Mr. Toad in Fantasyland. They replaced it with Winnie the Pooh. We talked about it on the Haunted Mansion episode that there's a little uh, Toad statuette in the graveyard of Haunted Mansion. Yeah, I just don't. I don't recall living through this, so okay. I don't really okay. remember yeah. having any feeling on it at all. Mm. Yeah. My first trip to Disney World was in 1999, so I have no frame of reference either. Uh, all right. In fact, as an homage to this, in Mr. T- excuse me, in Winnie the Pooh, in the Fantasyland, there is inside Owl's house, 
on the right side, there is a picture on the wall of Mr. Toad giving Owl the deed to the building, indicating a change in ownership. Nice little imaginary homage. Yeah. Uh, The ride was retained during the Fantasyland expansion, during which it received a new queue resembling the 100-acre wood called Pooh's Interactive Queue. It incorporates a playground with children's games, allowing some members of the party to play while others hold space in line. The queue is a very long opening statement. The queue is really cool. It is, and we'll get into it in just a minute. But uh, Dan, do you have anything you want to add? I can say that the queue. uh, Okay, so this this replaced, like I said, uh, Country Bears at Disneyland. Um, They didn't really do a whole lot other than gut the building and build a ride inside of it, Um, which. I admit at the time I found to be rather kind of uh, throwaway sort of experience. However, um, using what used to be the line for uh, Country Bear Jamboree or Country Bears actually I think really works to Pooh's favor at, on the West Coast because you're in you know a, a foresty area. It, you have a little stream. You go over a covered bridge. It's it's a, it's a very very nice beautiful area of the park it is in critter country which i feel is a better fit for it than Fantasyland. it i remember seeing it in Fantasyland at disney world and thinking like well that's weird um but again that's because i'm used to seeing it in in an actual well an actual fake forest right yeah so that's actually that's towards the end we were going to talk about it but while we're at it we can we can make this a, a point discussion so does it make more sense in Fantasyland? then it does make sense in Critter Country. Which do you think enhances the experience? I think it definitely fits, like I said, definitely fits better in Critter Country, Um, mainly because it's right, you know, it's right next to, I don't know that it necessarily fits perfectly in either, but I, I think that it, it definitely benefits from being in that area, being by Splash Mountain with all of the, cartoony but not super cartoony sort of uh creatures there um in fantasy land it's it just feels weird there to me okay so it is next to the hungry bear restaurant mm-hmm. and who is famously a hungry bear hungry for that honey so i get your point i agree but the and <laughs> the fantasy land one i i guess what i would say about it is that christopher robin if i'm not mistaken these characters are out of his imagination, out of his fantasy. So the characters in Fantasyland make sense in that way, right? But I, I don't know. For, I guess the, to to break. The I tie, guess for me, it's just it being part of the castle seems strange. Maybe somewhere else in Fantasyland. Okay, Jeremy, you're going to make the call. I never really considered this. I think um, I hear what you're saying, Jimmy, about the point that it's in his fantasy. But a lot of things throughout the entire park are. Fantasy. Yeah, I was grasping at straws on that. Uh, Star Star Tours is fantasy. That should right? be in fantasy land. <laughs> um, uh, but I think Dan makes a really good point, and that the aesthetics of the style of animation and just the overall feeling of Winnie the Pooh adjacent to Splash Mountain is a much better fit than Winnie the Pooh next to Snow White. Yeah, that's true. So I'm giving the point to Disneyland. <laughs> Very good. I love it. Okay, cool. Well, let's move on to the queue. Um, we talked about it a little bit. So you enter past or through, if you're the correct height, a tree at the entrance of the 100-acre wood. So this is like a replica of a 100-acre wood. Um, there's a hanging sign from a branch with the attraction title on it and no other discerning characters visible. I, I bring that up for a reason that we'll talk about later. So it's just a simple sign naming the attraction. This is, I believe, Winnie the Pooh's house. It is a treehouse, and you can see inside of the treehouse on the right-hand side, you can see a nautilus carved in the tree because 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea attraction was across the street from the original or from the existing location. So that's a fun little nod. The um, One of the best interactive cues. So you've got Rabbit's Garden with drums and instruments. You've got sliding bees going through part of the queue. And then the best part is the paint wall screen. So there's honey coming down the pages of these books, and if you wipe the walls, you wipe the honey away, and you reveal characters. And that's kind of cool. You can do that for hours. It's very entertaining. And all around you are books, or the story pages from the story, and so you're kind of getting the feeling of getting immersed into the story. 
So that is the cue of the Magic Kingdom version. That's very impressive, but I think what's also what might be slightly more impressive is waiting like five minutes instead of 35 or 40. That's funny because that was going to be a point that I was going to try to make in favor of Disney World. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it's That sounds cool. It is cool. Um, I would argue that at Disneyland, rather than – you know, getting in slowly immersed in the Hundred Acre Wood, you could sort of argue that you are sort of starting in the Hundred Acre Wood. But that's just – I mean we're splitting hairs at this point. I completely understand if a lot of effort being put into a queue ends up getting the point here. The reason I brought up the sign is because when, when you walk into the Disneyland queue, it's all the characters popping out of the sign. You know what I mean? That they, There's no mm. – it's just like ah, – it's like a carnival. Like this is what you're doing. This is who's in the ride. And I get the immersion of the the water and trees and stuff, but to your point, nobody's ever in that line, so it feels like a waste of space in a park that needs all the space it can get, right? That that I, I that I have to agree with. Um, I just I think what it comes down to for me is that they're kind of each perfect for the park that they're in. True, and you know what I mean. So I think it's just a matter of our. Fearless judge, kind of just making the call. Well, but this is really about the queue, right? Not like yeah, what, just the we've queue. already done right. aesthetics. So totally. this is the queue. Those interactive elements are not in the queue in Disneyland, right? Correct. So I think this is a, a, a slam dunk. Disney World gets the point, right? And I mean, they don't need to be because it's such a short ride or line. Did you play the sound? I didn't play the sound. Disney World, come on! We'll go for a jolly ride. A jolly ride. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I was trying to listen to Dan's rebuttal, but I missed it, and uh, we just went to sound. All right. So moving on to the ride itself. Now, we talked about walking through the pages of this book, and these are the actual pages from the stories we're about to experience. When you get into the ride vehicle, which is largely the same, the two-row honeypot, you actually go through the pages of the book. You enter into the story, which is a really cool effect. You know, it's a dark ride, but it's trying to tell a story and get you into the experience. So, yeah, you actually go through the pages of the book, and that's cool. Yeah, totally. This is a story we're about to experience together. I like the nod to the literature. Okay, so the first scene it, now, the, the ride itself is largely the same. There's very few differences in the ride, so it may not be worth arguing you know, every facet of the ride experience, but um, I'm going to just kind of walk through the Disney World version, and then Dan can add any color if he wants. So the first scene is based on Winnie the Pooh and the Blustery Day. And on the left-hand side, you can see Gopher. Now, Gopher was a character that was made for the animated shorts, but he was not in the original book. He was not in the A.A. Milne books. So Gopher introduces himself and says he's not in the book, as in like I'm not in the like I'm phone book, like I'm not in the book. But it's a nod to the fact that he is not in the original story, not in the book. After you pass Owl's house with the Mister Toad picture, we talked about handing over the deed to uh, Owl. On the floor on the right is a is Molly from Wind in the Willows tipping his hat to the previous ride. Then you see Tigger and your honeypot starts to bounce up and down with him. Now that's one of the coolest effects. I think that's true on both both coasts, right? Just in different parts of the ride? Uh, yes. So, fun fact, Jim Cummings, who is a very famous Disney voiceover artist, he did the, the, the narration for the beginning of Illuminations. Also Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime. Uh, and he plays Winnie the Pooh, and he plays Tigger in the attraction at Disneyland. He's Tigger. But at Walt Disney World, Tigger's voice is the original Tigger named Paul Wenchel. And sadly, this is the last time he ever voiced Tigger. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. Ooh. Give it. OG Tigger voice. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Original Tigger voice? I'm giving it. Point. Okay, so for Pooh's dream sequence, which is true in both, it's uh, the effect where he floats away out of his body and across the room into the heffalumps and woozles. 
is done using the Pepper's Ghost Effect, which may or may not be obvious to you, but that is the Pepper's Ghost Effect. And then we enter the Heffalumps and Woozles scene, which we all have sort of agreed is terrifying, psychedelic. I hate it. I hate that song. I hate it so much. Well, it's funny you mention that song that you hate. It's written by the Sherman Brothers. You know, I, I, I love the Sherman <laughs> Brothers, but I don't love everything that the Sherman Not Brothers everything's did. Their, their Horizons oh, song yeah. would be a great example that, that, that GE was like, uh, <laughs> no, that's not a futuristic song. It sounds like one of Carousel. So uh, – there's another song I heard about recently that they wrote that was recorded by Tobias from the original Sweeney Todd. Oh, my gosh. I can't think of it now. My next show, I'll bring it up, and, and maybe we can play it. It's uh, crazy. Something about the future. It's a computer. Like, my computer will save my life. Yeah. When, well, when, they're, when they're off, they tend to be very uh, off. It, yeah. it, well, they have um, one style, and they kind of just That's true. true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> You can't blame them. Everybody's got a style. It's like that's like asking uh, Picasso to pl- paint a landscape. You know, it's not what he did. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess. but there's some good, artists like an analogy at all. <laughs> I, yeah, I that works. That works. It is now. Yeah, uh, but some artists have just you just they play in different genres and and they you like you think about Steven Spielberg. Not every Steven Spielberg feels like a Steven Spielberg movie. He's about to do West Side Story for God's sake. You know, I mean, and it's just going to have a different feel to it and so anyway point is you're right sherman brothers kind of all the sound the same yeah you can kind of tell with the bouncy repetitive nature i'm curious and not not to argue i'm just curious because you seem to have very very strong opinions about the heffalumps and woozles and all about it like could you (laughs) extend more on why you feel such (laughs) so strongly about this you know i don't think i ever knew the story of winnie the pooh that well Okay. Um, my my history with Winnie the Pooh was really when I was in the 80s growing up, we had the Disney Channel and there was like a morning show, yeah. like 7 a.m. Mm. And it was and it was I can't, you know, Winnie the yeah, Pooh. it was just a lovely little Winnie show. And I liked that. <laughs> and then these heffalumps came along. I didn't even really know that they were associated with Winnie the Pooh. And I was watching Fantasmic at Disneyland. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm used to Fantasmic at, at Disney World. Which is obviously yeah. the supreme. We haven't gotten there yet, but it's obvious. No. Stay tuned. Uh, <laughs> and then I went to Disneyland, and instead of Pocahontas, I got these heffalumps and this like weird music, and I was like, "What is this?" And I was so pissed, and I've never <laughs> liked it since then. That's funny, isn't that that's interesting? Probably, that, no, I had the total opposite story. experience. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good, good story. Yeah, that that version of heffalumps and woozles in. Fantasmic in 1992 was really, really good and it was really rocking. And then 1993, it's not so much. What changed in that year? The the world around a song that was recorded mainly with synthesized uh, guitars and noodly. Yeah, it didn't age well. It did not age well. Yeah, Yeah, that's the easier way to say what I was trying to say. When I run, I, I go for you know decent runs, I, not as often as Jeremy. But one day he recommended that I listen to uh, for long runs, like when you're running for two and a half hours, listen to parades and shows. And so I downloaded Fantasmic, and it comes up, and I always get excited when it comes up because I know that when it's over, I'll have gone 22 more minutes of running. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I love that part of the of the of the show. That keep going, Jimmy. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, while I have the names fresh in my memory, I do want to add that uh, at Disneyland and Winnie the Pooh, you can look behind you at a certain spot and you can see the uh, cold dead head yeah. carcasses of Max, Buff, and Melvin from uh, the Country Bear, Jamboree, Vacation Hoedown, etc. Yes. And – it is actually in the Heffalumps and Woozle scene. As soon as you can see Winnie the Pooh, turn around and look up. It's dark, but they Max, Buff, and Melvin, which is their nod to the predecessor, like we were talking about with the Nautilus and the Mr. Toad stuff in Orlando. I think that's a cooler nod, and I have to go for it because that's awesome. 
I agree yeah. that they're it's there true. and that you have, but that you, ha- it's a secret that you have to turn mm-hmm. around to see them. I've heard about this before. I had forgotten. I'm glad you brought it up. Um, that's yeah, that's way better than a plaque. That's got to go. That's a point. It's DL. the taxidermy truck. <laughs> uh, okay. So moving on in the show, the next scene, your honeypot starts to feel like you're floating on water, a similar effect to the, uh, Tigger jumping due to the rain, rain, rain that is coming down, down, down. The Rain Came Down song was also written by the Sherman Brothers. Mm. Fun fact. And that's, I, I feel that's a good one. Yeah, it does meet the style. So finally, the gang gets together to celebrate the rain being gone. Then you emerge out of the pages of the book into the unload area. Then we say goodbye to Pooh and his friends. Or do we? We then mm. head out to the gift shop. <laughs> <laughs> What you got, Dan? Ooh. Well, I got to say, this one does not exit into a gift shop, which that could I be don't a know if that's thing. a point for or against, but it's one of a few that do not do that. And you do get to hang out in the area that the queue exists. <laughs> I don't know. Does how do that, you feel is that about a point that, worthy thing? Jeremy, how do you feel about gift shops? Do you ever stop and look? Is it annoyance or is it a convenience for you? Uh, you know, I think it really depends. You know, uh, Splash Mountain is kind of neat when you go through that one. Pirates, Pirates, I find that to be more of an annoyance because it's so big and they fill it with crap. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, (sighs) they just wanted to fill the the square footage. And so you're kind of like, I know what you're doing here. (laughs) Um, Phantasmic, (laughs) uh, Magic, I like that one because I think that the the visual Mm. effects of the the one in uh, Philharmagic with – Donald coming out of that big brass tromba, trumpet or mm-hmm. whatever brass instrument. It's just a really cool sculpture. So I always like appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, so can you tell me a little bit about this shop or is it just a shop? <laughs> it's exactly what you <laughs> imagine it to be. They have some cool zoom zooms. <laughs> so then I actually think in this instance, I'm giving Disneyland the point for giving me a rest, a reprieve, a respite from having to fight my way through shops. all right so some changes with disneyland are um one of the most notable ones is (laughs) that it kind of just ends by it being Pooh's birthday which is weird you're you go through heffalumps and woozle scene and all of a sudden it's hey wake up it's it's your birthday um which is weird and jarring and of course listeners to the show will understand that I appreciate that, but I'm not putting that up for a point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't realize, I don't think I've ever been on the poo at Disney world. I didn't really appreciate the fact that they were using uh, the book so much as an editing point. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would, mm-hmm. I would argue for that to be a point for Disney world. You already got it. I, you know, I'm, well, I didn't give it, but it's been mm-hmm. nagging at me ever since Jimmy went past it and said, you walk through a book. And I've, cause I, I did remark, you know, I like that there's a nod to the fact that this mm-hmm. is literature. And I think a lot of, you know, I think that that gets lost in, a, in a, most Agreed. of these things that these, this is literature and kids should be reading. Um, and I just, I really like that. And I think it's very tastefully done. So I am giving Disney World a point for that. Thank, Thank you. Mm-hmm. Dan. And these children can actually read in the in the line. Don't, and don't while they're don't rubbing honey. It, don't push it. All right. <laughs> don't push it. Don't put your luck. Disneyland. All right. So are, yep. what else, Dan? Other so, small change. Disneyland seats more people. Oh, interesting. There's, I believe, uh, three, maybe four rows instead of two. Is that why – do you think hmm. that it – so does it have okay. a higher ride capacity per hour? Is that one of the reasons why you think that it's a lower line, a quicker maybe. line? Do we think that? It could be. I th- I think honestly, it's it's just that people go to Critter Country to ride Splash Mountain, and I think people go to Fantasyland to ride yeah. uh, kid rides. So I think it's just the audience is more primed for <laughs> more primed for Pooh and Fantasyland, possibly. Even though it's you know aesthetically completely not excusable, um, you know. Okay. Uh, mm, hmm. I think I have to give it a point for higher capacity. If they're bigger, I mean, why not? Right? Yeah. Do we think that's right? 
We'll go through the next. I, I don't. I didn't do the research on it, so I don't know. It's if they are bigger ride vehicles. In I theory, know they they are absolutely. I just don't have it offhand the exact number. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I'm go for it. I, I think I, until I can prove right, you I'm wrong. Giving point for <laughs> higher corrections. capacity to Disneyland. <laughs> so just to update you both on where the stats are currently. Disneyland has four. Walt Disney World has three. Oh, yikes. Uh, okay. What you got, Jimmy? Well, you know, it, this is really a matter of opinion. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Winnie the Pooh, the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh, usurped Mr. Toad's Wild Ride in Magic Kingdom. But it usurped the Country Bear Jamboree at Disneyland. I think that is a bigger usurping so by default i think that this is an opinion but i don't know jeremy what do you think is worse i can i can i add in here i but yeah dan you make the case i'm just judging so i was one of like 30 people that loved uh country bear jamboree and i was very very i'm still sad that it's gone um however if i'm putting on i think that's why people don't go on the ride it could be. It could be. Well, there you go. You just proved my case. <laughs> um, I do think that it makes more sense. If So if we're going to say we're going to take one from one and one from the other, I think it makes more sense to take Country Bear Jamboree and it's all, all of its iterations from Disneyland and leave it on the East Coast in the South than it does to take uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride away from the East Coast. Um Especially given that they have so much more space, it's not that they—it's not like they couldn't have found a place to build this ride. They just seemed to be like determined to replace something on each coast with Winnie the Pooh. Why do you? Why do you think you made an? You made an assertion that you think it's a bigger. uh, Jimmy made an assumption that you think it's a bigger Mm -hmm. deal that they got rid of Mm. Country Bears. Why, like, what is that? Why do you, why do you feel that way? It's a personal affinity. It's the fact that it's a stage show. Yes, they're not live actors, but it's a, it's a stage show that's a long experience and it's musical. And I have an affinity for all of that Mm -hmm. versus Mr. Toad, which is based on a movie that nobody saw that was spliced together with another movie nobody saw. But they kind of, you know, I just don't, I, I know there's an emotional connection to people from Disneyland who love that ride, but it's just a personal feeling about the arts hmm. from from what i gather mr toad at disney world is sorely missed and if we're being very if we're being completely honest about the audience for country mm-hmm. bears at disneyland there were like 10 people in the audience it like is true every performance i mean again i'm sad that it's gone truly but it's it's it makes sense in its own sick way. I think it's yeah, a, like the people. Mover. I think it's a grass is always greener kind of thing. Um, I've never, you know, I I appreciate the arts. <laughs> I've never really thought of Country Bear Jamboree as an experience of the arts. You know, like well, I don't walk out of there. I'm not like you know. I really just don't get to the theater. Let's often. go to the Country Bears. Uh, so I, I, I'm kind of there with you, but I do think I think I almost almost think it's an even switch. They kept the opposite one at the opposite mm. park, and it it's, it is what it is. I think both over the years, certainly people's uh, longing for the attraction that has gone away probably has has uh, yeah. manifested itself equally on both coasts. I don't know if I feel that because I hear a lot of people like, "Oh, Mr. Toad." Right. Even Dan yeah. asked Jeremy, "Were you so upset?" <laughs> so it, exactly it, like that <laughs> yeah but i was like no because i still have this beautiful uh theater to experience the performing arts listen every time i go into that show at, at magic kingdom there it is a full house and people are clapping and stomping and laughing and singing along more to my point <laughs> but i gotta say when liver lips does uh a mm-hmm. soliloquy from hamlet it, it is it is really touching <laughs> I would say let's not pretend the Disneyland people wouldn't be doing cartwheels if they announced that's, it was coming that's back. True. 
Yeah, that Saturday night liver lips, uh, it's a little queen. That's that's pretty powerful stuff. <laughs> Uh, but I'm gonna give it. A, I'm gonna. I'm not awarding it a point on either one of those. Okay. I don't think it's enough. The the other thing that I'll say to speaking of country bears in Disney World, what disappoints me is they don't have the holiday overlays. And I know they don't do that a lot, but the vacation hoedown in the summer that's great. The Christmas show. I'm just. I'm disappointed they haven't done it. It's all these the same show all year long. Man, go to Tokyo. Do they have it? They have the overlay. They have. Uh, they have all three of them. <gasps> well, they have three versions of the show, so two overlays and the, and the standard. That's so cool. Well, I think I think uh-huh. the appeal yeah. of of the original show, and this is just from what I've heard, part of the appeal of the original show is that you have these old timey, you know, seventies country artists like actually doing the singing. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not like I don't hate country, but I'm not. I don't know a whole lot about it, but. It sounds like that would be a huge draw, you know? Sure. Okay, so the the last thing I've got is, again, this might be a detractor, but the fact that the average wait time for the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh is 35 to 65 minutes at Walt Disney World and virtually non-existent at Disneyland, does that not tell you about the total experience? Because it's not like Disneyland's a slow park. I think it just tells you where it is in the park. Mm-hmm. You think it's a geography thing? Absolutely. Well, then why is Big Thunder Mountain always a 90-minute wait? It's in the same position. Big Thunder Mountain is like right there when you walk into Frontierland. It's like it. It's like it. It's at the very back. What? At Disney World. Oh, at Disney World. Oh. It is in the back yeah, corner. Yeah, by Splash Mountain. It's the same geographical space. And the train station. It's, a de- wow. it's an absolute destination. <laughs> Jimmy yeah, wants points. Uh, I don't know because I also feel like we've kind of built the point that perhaps it has a lower. I think I I actually do think it ultimately it's geography, but I also think it, as Dan said before, it has bigger capacity. So you can get more people in each car. Mm. That combined with the fact that it's in the middle of nowhere has no wait time. And Although, I can tell you on our Facebook group, which is the Supreme Resort group, it's four for four for Disneyland. Not that that should sway us, but it could. Um, Mike said – Wait. What are they listening? They, <laughs> wait, this is episode 13. What are we missing? Uh, Mike uh, gives a shout out for the Heffalumps and Woozle set. Uh, Vince mentioned Max Buff and Melvin. Uh, some guy named Jason said that he really likes the ride and hasn't Ugh. ridden it on Walt Disney. Get get a podcast, dude. Um, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Eric, our future uh, guests co-host, uh, says this attraction replaced the insanity that was Toad in Walt Disney World. I have not ridden it for this reason. Wow, interesting. Taking a real stand, at, at Eric. Wow, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, and this is some live feedback, baby. <laughs> Real time feedback from the just like caucuses. All right, so they know that we're recording this tonight. Then, yeah, Dan somehow. announced because he didn't do his research. He asked the audience. <laughs> I to do did it for him. not. So. <laughs> I merely worded it subtly so that they might want to. <laughs> Why did you wait so long? Right. Real time feedback. All right. Well, that's all I've got, guys. <laughs> it's a very smart technique. It's true. I'm using it from now Well, if that's all you have. That's it. Then I would have to say, I'm thinking back on it. I'm a little surprised. I would have to say that the winner tonight by a thin margin of one point is Disneyland with four points. I'll take it. Walt Disney World's version is three. And Disneyland's Winnie the Pooh is the Supreme (laughs) Resort. Oh, right. Yeah. So I, I think where we landed is it's basically the same ride. There's some cool features about the queue at Disney World and, you know, the gift shop is blah, whatever. Uh, but at the end of the day, you have to wait a long time for it to experience the same thing you can experience at Disneyland that has a nice atmosphere. You know, it's a fun ride, but it's a larger car, so you have more capacity, so you can get through it faster. So if you're going to experience this attraction, yeah, you may as well do an, it with hop no Hop on an airplane is what I'm getting. Orlando Airport. Head over to Disneyland, <laughs> then yep. you won't have to wait in line. <laughs> I don't want to have to wait an hour for this. Let's go to Disneyland instead. Fly to Disneyland, <laughs> so we have to wait. However, 
the Magic Kingdom one, it, I, I honestly, I, I haven't, I haven't been on it because I, I knew it was basically the same thing. Sounds like there are a few changes. Now you sound like Jason Petrie. <laughs> um, there are some things about it that I, I didn't realize were, you know, I think probably slightly more clever. So that's fun. Indeed. That's. I'm trying to be positive about this. Right. Yep. You go to Magic Kingdom. You get literature and theater, baby. <laughs> I love Jeremy's face when I said theater about the country. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there. And the thing is, there are definitely places that you could say that you are getting exposure to <laughs> arts. That's just Not never one base, that no. I would have put it, put that there. So interesting take. <laughs> I just, I just, I yeah. I and when you grasp, it's it's wonderful. <laughs> yes, thank you. All right, so Jeremy, what's going on on Spectral Radio? Uh, well. Um, I can tell you this: a new mini podcast is coming out, but oh my God. exclusively for Patreons. I'm so one of those. Gotta, you've got to be a patron. Yes, you are. So you're going to be getting this Woo. probably tonight if my voiceover gets through, um, which it hasn't yet. But tonight or tomorrow, it'll be coming out. Mini. It's a. It's just a, a mini deeper look. So it's like a quick kind of inside. Quicker, uh, more in depth than I can go when I do a spectral time segment where I've kind of got to keep it punchy right. and give an overview and some interesting stuff. But this is a little deeper, a little nerdier. Uh, I love that. You know, I'm trying to keep it to like 10 minutes, no more. As a little reward for my appreciation for my support. Well, we appreciate you. That's why we continue to support you. But um, at what point is it too many podcasts, Jeremy? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to draw the line at 12? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Well, the the demand keeps on coming, so <laughs> keep giving the listeners what they want. Uh, no one demanded this. <laughs> okay. They're just getting it. Well, I demand it with my $20 a month. <laughs> uh, okay, so you can please, we love the comments on Facebook. We really appreciate the feedback. We're getting new Facebook group members every day. And if you want to get a hold of us, please get a hold of us. You can email us at jimmy at earsup-podcast.com, dan at earsup-podcast.com. Send us show ideas, send us feedback, do Dan's research for him, whatever it takes. Yeah. And you can reach Jeremy at spectro underscore radio for both Instagram and Twitter. And tune in next time where Eric Johnson will be our guest. And have a wonderful birthday, Jeremy, in Hawaii. Have fun at Aulani. Look for a full report when you get back. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Be good to each other, and we'll see you next time.